0: The Chicago Sky are in pole position as we enter the final month of the WNBA regular season. James K., who knows more about the Sky than anyone, is here to talk about it. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now.
1: You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Well, hi there, and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdahl, founder and editor of The Next thanking you for making us your first listen every day. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can go ahead and subscribe on YouTube, and you can follow the work that all of us are doing over at thenexttubes.com. The Next, we have over 100 reported pieces every single month across the women's basketball landscape. Go ahead and check us out. Subscribe. You won't be sorry that you did so, and you'll be supporting people like James K. James K, who does incredible work for us, who covers the Sky to Sky for the Tribune as well, has um, a podcast as well, the Skyhook podcast, all terrific stuff. We're going to talk today with James about any number of things. We're going to talk about a potential new minority owner. We're going to talk about who should be executive of the year and why he's right in Chicago. I guess that's a big hint. And we're <laughs> going to talk about what I have to do over the final month of the season. But James, let's start with your piece. And people ought to go read it over at The Next, uh, soups.com. And make the case for James Wade as executive of the year. And I thought you laid it out really, really well. I want to take it in step by step as to why James Wade is executive of the year. But the place to start, I think, is what has been the popular understanding, and, and I would argue misconception, about James Wade and his executive duties with the, with the Chicago Sky?
1: Well, one of the things that I think about James when I look back at 2019 compared to where he's at now, he's just gotten better at both being a head coach and a general manager since he started off. I mean, this is what happens... And you're putting a position to lead the franchise in a multitude of ways so one of the things that he told me was just like he's he understands people a little bit more and I thought that was really interesting he told me that this past offseason and yeah I think that James has just really done such a great job of thinking about things both in the long term and the short term and to me that's why like that's where his case is untouchable honestly it's just he's, he was able to do do things that really like fortified this guy's chances in the short term and gives himself and the, the organization so many options beyond that. So, yeah, I think it's just been interesting to see how he has been able to figure that balance out compared to maybe a couple of years ago when he just started the gig.
0: I want to talk about the backcourt and bringing them back because Vanderquid's obviously matters so much to this team – but it's fascinating because if you think about <clears throat> giving an executive of the year award, you could potentially have done so for bringing in Emma Meesman. You could potentially have done so for the trade of Diamond to Shields, the no fault of the Shields, just the nature of what came back in return. I want to take each in kind. Emma Meesman, one year, $185,000. I mean, that's near max salary when we're doing the silly wnba version of math where you say oh is that an undervalued contract you know yeah they're all undervalued contracts right well within the framework of that uh salary cap to get emma Meesman level i mean emma Meesman's a max player in terms of what she's provided for the sky this year
1: without question right without a doubt i feel like you can say that about a few players on this roster and yeah. you know ali quigley took what a fifty-nine thousand dollar pay decrease mm-hmm. this year i mean This team has been all about sacrifice. That has been the constant theme throughout this entire season. And it's been, even Courtney VanderSloot could have gone out and got herself a super max contract if she wanted, you know, she's. Or sat out. Could have sat out. Or sat out. I mean, she's been dealing with injuries. You know, you saw at the beginning of the season with that foot injury that, you know, she looks great. She doesn't look like she has a foot injury, but. She's also, like, one of the toughest players I've ever had a chance to cover. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just crazy that all the, these players, not even just sacrificing on the court, when they kind of – they don't really care about who's leading the the, the game and scoring everyone. It feels like this guy have a new leading score at the end of the game, at, like, after every game it feels like at this point. So the way that James has really ha- like brought – these pieces in like Emma knowing that she's someone that's willing to sacrifice as well she's just blended in with this team's just incredibly well and she's never been the most outspoken person but that's kind of like how she was just like the perfect puzzle piece at, to mm-hmm. put to you know put it at the put together with this puzzle i should say
0: in terms of the Vanderquid's contract and i'm just going to treat it as a single contract, you know, given that they are, they are married, it's a one year, $330,000 contract for one of the iconic backcourts of this generation. I mean, that's clearly paid off and then some, right? I mean, again, getting surplus value is the measure of an executive uh, and winning the executive of, of the year award, at least the way I, I see it.
1: Ali Quigley had a historic shooting season last year, and they got her for one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. I mean, that's just unbelievable. I really thought that she was going to retire just based on some of the breadcrumbs that she left behind this past off season. But I, I really thought they were going to have to try to go, maybe try to overpay for someone like Rebecca Allen, quote unquote, overpay, or Raquano Williams potentially. And they brought back Ali Quigley, the best off ball shooting threat in the league and I know she started off cold at the beginning of the season but she's just I mean in practice yesterday I don't think she missed a shot it was just unbelievable to see what she's been able to put together and Courtney Vanderstoot at what a 195k I yeah. mean we're talking about someone that could arguably go down as the best point guard of all time when it's all said and done so <laughs> what the, the financial flexibility that James was able to work with after that I mean, you got to give credit to the players for willing to make that sacrifice financially.
0: No doubt about it. And Allie Quidley, and I remember we talked about this on a podcast earlier this year where she started cold. She's at 40.4% since June seventeenth <laughs> over the past 12 games from three. Like there was just no, it's Allie Quidley Like she didn't forget how to shoot. It was so clearly going to be this. And she obviously was going to get the open shot opportunities because of this offense. And you had this great quote. I just want to read it out because it comes from Candace Parker, uh, which is not a shock. On any given day, it can be anybody's night. We realized that stats are stats, but there's weighted stats. There's value in what we do consistently across the board. Even though the stats say this is what this person averages, we know any one of us are capable of stepping onto the court and carrying us offensively. And so there's so many different reasons for that. But there are two natural outgrowths of that. One of of them is the decision to apply the core designation to Kalia Copper. So she ends up getting two years, $405,000. You know, her numbers are down a little bit from where they were last year. But that was vital, right? Because, again, it's not about what are the numbers. It's a question of, like, what does Kalia Copper do slash how she fits on this roster?
1: Yeah, I mean, Kalia Copper, like, sure, her numbers are, like, are slightly down, I guess. But at the same time, if she was in any other, like on any other team, she would be scoring like 18 to 20 points per game. I mean, she just, this again, this team is all about sacrifice. And there was a game last, I think, against the Sparks where Candace had zero points. Like there's just going to be times where someone else is only going to get a few shot attempts. And it's just because of how deep this team is. Not even just with the starters, Howard. It's even like, Rebecca Gardner will chip in like 10 points per game. Like you have someone like Julie Alamon who I, I just, I remember in 2020, she just dropped, I think like 28 points on the aces. And I just think about like how much of her upside is a score. At times it looks like she's just passing up wide open layups in order to like find her teammates. Like this team is just all about sacrifice and they have so many players that can score, but that just sometimes they're just trying to find the most, like the highest percentage shot. And I don't know how defenses are really going to stop that come playoff time.
0: So where that leaves us, of course, is the emergence of Kalia Copper, I would argue, made it possible for the Sky to trade Diamond DeShields. The trade they made, De Shields was a restricted free agent, but it was a sign and trade. So DeShields, the 2023 first round pick, and um, forgive me, there, there's and this and the, and the 2022 number seven pick, right? For Alamond and Phoenix's 2023. Correct. OK, so what you're talking about essentially is you're giving up your first round pick, which is almost certainly for all the reasons we just talked about, not going to be in the lottery. I think are we prepared to say that? I mean, I don't think they've officially clinched a playoff berth, right? They could lose out. I I guess <laughs> mathematically, but <laughs> I would count on it, Howard. I would count on it. They're not going to the lottery, right? But Phoenix, and you pointed this out in the piece, Phoenix could go into the lottery. Phoenix has, I mean, this is this is the Phoenix's remaining schedule: Seattle, LA, who's battling for a playoff berth at New York, at Connecticut, at Connecticut, the Liberty at home, the Lynch at home the winds at home, and then the sky on the last day of the season. And how delicious would it be you know. if the sky – I mean, what do you do if you're James Wade in that scenario, right? Like, you know, all right, let's say you've clinched the number one overall seed at that point and you're not playing for seeding. You got to go out there and lay down the
1: hammer in order to go get a lottery pick, right? I would. I think that that type of stuff matters. And I know that James – like, he won't even talk about the Commissioner's Cup and there were, it's just so funny just how reluctant he is. Like, we're taking everything game by game. I totally respect that. But I do think they should try to go out and win that game, even if it's just playing the starters 20 minutes. They have hmm. three days after that game against Phoenix before the playoffs start. I think there's a lot of value in potentially being able to land a lottery pick, especially when – most of the, I mean, there's a lot of key free agents coming out in 2023. I think that – what so it's Courtney Vandersloot, Ali Quigley, Candice Parker, Azrae Stevens. That's a lot to try to make up for. And if the lottery pick can potentially replace – I mean, I don't think there's any way which you could replace those players in the short term by picking someone in the lottery. But mm-hmm. it would be really fascinating to see this guy free up their – I don't know. Re up the ante after being able to land a pick like this, and they've been them ending the Phoenix Mercury's like season by taking their pick in a championship from them the year before. So <laughs> it,
0: it will certainly further the rivalry. Somehow we haven't talked about Azurae Stevens, who is at seventeen point eight points per thirty six minutes, behind only Kalia Copper. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm I'm fascinated, and I'm not a gambler, but I'm fascinated what the line's going to be on that one, and place I'm going to find out is at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check all your betting needs. That's not just NBA. They do WNBA, NCAA, women's basketball, all your betting needs. That's something that's obviously very meaningful to us here at Lockdown Women's Basketball. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the WNBA. BetOnline continues to be... The top online resource for all your sports wagering information—from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts—they have you covered. Head on, head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. And before we move on to segment number two, where we're going to be talking about some ownership moves, which are very interesting. I just want to remind you that starting on July 18th, Locked On will tell you which NFL stars move the betting line the most. Locked On is going to give you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the Ozmakers at Online. available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And so speaking of movements, we're seeing some really interesting news about uh, potential new minority owners in, uh, in in the Chicago Sky Ownership Group. Um, just give me a sec. I just want to review who broke... That story, Let's scroll up to the byline. Huh. And it seems to be I I don't know. Do you know it? it's James? James K apparently is in that market and has the same name as you.
1: I was bummed. I, I I've actually tried to take advantage of it just saying, like, oh yeah, I'm the James K that broke that one, but knowing deep down it wasn't me, so yeah. <laughs> right. James K.
0: Really nice job getting that, that big news. And so for our listeners. Break it down. What are the basic elements of what we're talking about here in um, in what you were able to report?
1: So at in during the WNBA off season, Sky principal owner Michael Alter told the Chicago Sun-Times that he was going looking into adding investors. And since the season started, I've just kind of cut that with me and one of the things that came through the reporting that I was able to do is that Chicago Cubs co-owner, Laura Ricketts and her wife, Brooke Skinner are looking into being a part of the Sky's ownership. Potentially Um, Michael Alter reached out to the Ricketts family and being specifically Laura uh, for, I think pretty obvious reasons that they, those two would make a potentially good partnership and, you know, this is something that I know on the marquee sports network side, where the Cubs own. That Laura was in the background pushing for that deal to go through, making sure that everything was in place for it to go through. And you know, at the, right now, like this, there there have been preliminary talks between Alter and Ricketts about potentially having her come on. And I know um, one thing that I was surprised people didn't pick up in the story as well was just that. They're not just looking at Laura Ricketts. The the situation has progressed to the point where Alter is looking for other investors as well. So I I would say that's pretty much the synopsis of it.
0: And so the, I think it's probably important because I've seen a fair amount of pushback on social media, and there's this conversation of you know, oh, the Ricketts, they're they're the uh, pro fascist. Uh, family. And it's it's more complicated than that. The Ricketts are not unified or anywhere close to it where you would say, oh my goodness, we didn't have another Kelly Loeffler scenario. I mean, it's, it's a live concern, obviously, for the WNBA who just went through it. But that's not really what we're talking about here, right?
1: Correct. I mean, Laura Ricketts is someone that's been a huge member of this community. She advocates for LB- LGBTQ plus Rights. She's someone that is, she's worked in the Obama Foundation here. And I do think that this would be an ideal match. And I don't think <clears throat> Michael would, I mean, he, one of the things that he told me was like, it's so important for us to have someone that would match our views on social rights and human rights. And it's always been something that this guy have been on top of and making sure it's like part of their priorities. So I do think Laura actually does feel makes sense for the sky. This we're not talking about her other members of her family, which I won't put my opinion towards right now. Um, But I do think that if you listen to the Skyhook podcast, you probably know where my stance is on that. But Mm -hmm. uh, I do think Laura does make sense for what the sky are looking for in terms of an investor and why not have a local tie as well. I think, the value of the franchise would go up when you say that the Chicago Cubs co-owner is also an investor with the sky. I mean, I think that gives them just an infinite amount of possibilities.
0: I, I also think it's important. We have all been to Thanksgiving dinners where we would not want to be most closely identified with the politics of everyone at the table. Right. So I think it's important that we differentiate with that as well, but then there's the flip side of it. Uh, which is to say that, and, and you pointed this out in the piece as well, it was really important part of it that having an ownership group that's better capitalized is going to make an enormous difference in terms of the sky's ability to compete. We're looking at a WNBA right now that is actively interested in expansion, uh, presumably expansion with owners that fit into the new spending group, the people like you know, what uh, Josiah, for instance, is doing in New York. Uh, how much do you think that is part of that conversation rather than Michael Alter, let's say, looking to sell uh, and 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 cash out?
1: I don't think Michael Alter is looking to sell based on the conversations that I had with him. He said that he's he spent the last 17 years trying to expand this league and that's been his, like, his priority. And one, that, I mean, I don't think like, he told me, he's like, look, if we need resources – that we will add them there's we wouldn't add investor just because of financial reasons um actually they actually flat out said we wouldn't add an investor just because like just because of financial reasons this mm-hmm. is about making the value of the franchise higher and i don't think he's looking to cash out um that's not the impression that i got at least and mm-hmm. um yeah I mean the guy i mean one of the things that has been nice is i just been able to look under the hood a little bit more since last postseason was just this guy have added things in terms of resources like this is something that has been progressing over and over james wade iterated that reiterated that to me yesterday just how they've been adding since he's come here the players have been pushing for certain things as well like courtney vandersloot james and michael met up during the the, multiple times during the WNBA offseason to discuss what the team needed and she said that she felt heard, you know, like there's just simple things that they were able to add. And, um, you know, one of the things that Michael said that I unfortunately wasn't able to put into the piece was just mm-hmm. that, well, sometimes the players don't always like, aren't always like vocal about what they want. But if when they tell us what we want, when they want something that we're always open to giving it to them. So it's just, it's kind of an interesting dynamic between um, the, the like, I don't know, like, I think it's just kind of interesting how, this is starting to progress a little bit, especially now that the spotlight's on the sky. I do think they're in a place where they need to be adding certain things. And also they're going to be getting a certain level of interest from potential investors.
0: No doubt about it, as they should. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what an infusion of cash means for that market, because the Chicago market is clearly primed to be even bigger for women's basketball than it has been to so be very, very interesting to see it. Uh, we're just going to talk a little bit more if we can. And, and I know this is ending on a bit of a negative note, but I'm curious about it. I'm just going to provide it this way for you. Sure. The sky yeah. are 19 and six. They are two losses clear of anyone else, including the aces who have left their defense back in June. And, <laughs> the Seattle storm, who I think they match up very well with they're three losses ahead of the Connecticut sun at this point. So, you know, like I said, at the top of the show in pole position, they have a remaining schedule that seems friendly for them to be able to um, one up among other people, the storm who you're going to go see in a couple hours and we'll be watching at uh, over on playback as well, right? I mean, they win that one. They're three losses up on everyone except the Aces. They're two up there. My question is, what can stop this team? Especially you say, you know, geez, you're always subject to critical injuries, but they also have a roster that's the deepest roster in the league. They're arguably more set up for that than any other team in the WNBA right now. I, I, I mean... What would what would stop them?
1: I don't know what is going to stop them. That's the thing that I've been trying to look at all season. Like, what? where are the holes on this team?
0: It's mm-hmm. not
1: coming from a roster perspective. They have been mm-hmm. really healthy this entire season, even outside of Courtney VanderSloot's Courtney recent concussion. Um, they. It's just the opposite of last year, where they couldn't afford to rest Candice at any point during the season last year and now they like early on the season they could give her some rest because as Ray Stevens and Emma Simon could hold up in the front court and so okay health is not an issue at least as of we're recording right now okay maybe turnovers Um they've been turning the ball over a little bit more recently but they're still been able to overcome that and what they've won like 12 out of their last 15 14 games I mean Okay so even when they're turning the ball over a little bit more they're still winning games when mm-hmm. earlier this season when they weren't shooting from beyond the arc they were still getting to the line and you know I think they're at one point were are the second in the league in points per game okay but then when when that game then the the biggest comeback in WNBA history against the Aces they got mm-hmm. they didn't get their first free throw attempt until the fourth quarter so they eviscerated the Aces by shooting from beyond the arc and connecting there, they can beat you in every single way. And I don't really see another team out there that's going to stop them from being able, like that can beat them in a five game series. that's the only way I'm looking at this Howard is like, who can beat this guy in a five game series? I don't think there's anyone out there, but I am intrigued by a couple of teams, but yeah. Oh,
0: listen, there are five legitimate championship contenders you get into a short series, maybe a matchup favors you. But in terms of what is the likeliest outcome, look, the earth crashed into the sun. I mean, there's a lot of different ways. Of this I don't mean the Connecticut sun. I mean, the literal sun. <laughs> well, obviously, all things are possible. But no, I, I, I think you have to consider them best of all, which is why, you know, I was so perplexed. You know, we thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. I was listening to a terrific show, uh, a basketball show over at the Locked On Network. And we're talking about, oh, they're going to trade Kobe White to Dallas. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay, well, you know, maybe for Alicia Gray, uh, that would make a lot of sense. (laughs) And I was looking into it further, and Kobe White's not even on the Chicago Sky roster. You think, oh, it's such a deep roster, maybe I just forgot about Kobe White. But no, it's not true. He plays for the Bulls, who are an NBA team. And so you can go to Locked On NBA and make it your second listen and get your daily NBA update In just 30 minutes, the Chicago Bulls, interesting up and coming league, the National Basketball Association, where men, men play basketball. I'm just wondering if you'd heard about that at all.
1: This is news to me. I feel like I need to make my mark on that league now. I've always been jealous of women being able to play basketball, me being off to the sidelines. So we'll see what happens. I'll let you know on the next episode.
0: It is our turn. Finally. Finally, in our society, something from that. <laughs> well, very great well, James day is always delightful. For those of you listening, instead of watching, follow at James underscore M underscore K. Uh, I'm glad he's my friend. You can still follow him on Twitter. And that is, I guess, the next best thing. But thank you for all who have listened today. We'll be back with you tomorrow because we're with you every weekday. Until then, I am Howard Magdahl, wishing you a wonderful day
1: you are locked on women's basketball your daily podcast on women's basketball part of the locked on podcast network your team every day